0: morning. Let's stand over this way a little bit to start with so you can see these handsome boys. Good morning everyone. Happy Father's Day. As you're aware we were lucky enough to have the kids in the service with us this morning and I'm sure some of you are going are we lucky? (laughs) If you're anything like me you've probably heard the questions of dad what have we got to eat? Dad can I go to the toilet? Or dad... When's that man gonna stop talking? So I know a couple of those, but I'd love to introduce you to my two boys here. I'm very proud to be their father. What's your name? Austin. Austin. How old are you, Austin? Five. Five? Austin was Katie's father's day present to me five years ago. It was his birthday yesterday, so let's give him a round of applause. And what is your name, young man? Josh, how old are you? Eight. Eight. What's it like being up here looking at all these people? Nervous. Nervous, yeah. Well, I thought I'd bring Joshy up here this morning and Austin because I'm feeling a bit nervous too, but we're being brave up here. Um, I'm really excited to be able to share with you this morning, but I thought let's just take the moment together to pray and thank God for this time that we have. Father God, I just thank you that you are our Father. I thank you that you love us, and even when we are nervous or scared, Lord, you help us be brave to do what is good and what is right. And God, I just thank you um, that children are a blessing from you, Lord. What a privilege it is um, to be a father. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) Let's give those boys a round of applause. Okay. Check out the tie-dye jumper, hey? That's pretty cool. So as a small Father's Day gift to everyone here this morning, not just the fathers, uh, my aim is to provide you with some moments of quietness and reflection. Does anyone else like me find that when you're trying to reverse your car in a car park, you have to turn the music down? To help yourself concentrate. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that's just something of getting a bit older, Um, but it works. You know, times of stillness are important in our life regardless of age, eh? It's easy to come to church uh, and be an observer, and that's okay. But my encouragement this morning um, for you is to be present, um, to lean in and to join in um, as we, we look at some of the scriptures this morning. And I'm not asking for big crowd participation, so... Uh, you can relax. Yeah, today we're finishing up the Paul and Co series that's been going on for the past number of weeks and what we've learned is that the Apostle Paul was a massive influence in the early church. A major theme over the past weeks has been the reminder and encouragement that Paul didn't do life alone, that we is better than me and we is better than me. So this morning we're going to explore the relationship between Paul and Timothy and the similarities that can be seen between a father and son or even a mentor and a mentee. Along the way I'd like to share a few of my own stories with you uh, and encourage you to consider some examples from your own life. Now in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 2 Paul says, To Timothy, my own son in the faith. Or in other versions that says, To my true son, So who was Timothy? Timothy was the son of a Greek father and a Jewish mother. He was raised by his mother and his grown mother in Jewish culture and beliefs. Now this is very significant in the salvation of Timothy and his mother and grandmother. As Paul reflects on many years later in a letter to Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15, Paul writes and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now remember that the Holy Scriptures they had access to were the Old Testament Scriptures, but they helped Timothy along with his mother and grandfa- grandmother sorry, recognise Jesus as the Messiah and the fulfilment of prophecy. Timothy converted to Christianity around the age of 16, and by his late teens and early 20s, was joining Paul on his next major missionary journey. So as we look at the relationship of of Paul and Timothy, there are three themes that really stood out to me. Opportunity, encouragement, and discipline. Now, Timothy joins Paul and Silas on their second major missionary journey, and this is recorded in the book of Acts, chapter 16 to 18. To help put that in context, we're going to put a map up on the screen just to have a look at uh, what their travels look like. There it is. So Paul started that bottom right-hand corner and the red line as he travels anti-clockwise. That trip took Paul and his team about three years and they covered nearly 5,000 kilometres Roughly half by land, and they would have been walking a lot of that, and half by sea. Swimming? Maybe not. we we'll say they travel by boat. Kids, does anyone know how far 5,000 kilometres is, besides a long way? That's the equivalent of travelling from Launceston, heading over to the mainland, travelling up the east coast of Australia, all the way to the tip of Queensland. That is a long way. And on this trip, Paul, Timothy, Silas, and along with others, were evangelizing to Jews and to Gentiles. For those that believed they were planting churches or starting churches, Paul cast out a demon from a young girl in one place they visited, which led to Paul and Silas being publicly beaten, whipped, and put in prison, all of which Timothy, as a young Christian believer, would have witnessed. Paul was writing letters, or what we know as books of the Bible, back to those places that he visited to encourage them and to continue teaching them. And we know Timothy was present because in a number of those books of the Bible, in the first verse, such as Philippians and 1 Thessalonians, Paul mentions Timothy. His greetings come from himself and Timothy. Timothy was also sent off as a messenger back to some of the places they'd visited ...to return to Paul and give report of the health of the newly formed Christian communities. Now on the next major missionary journey that Paul led, they spent about two years in Ephesus. And we're going to talk a little bit about Ephesus this morning because it was was a significant place. Uh, But on this trip, a significant revival took place. Paul performed many miracles, signs and wonders. And the number of believers grew significantly... And Timothy could have spent the most part of a decade alongside Paul. Got a question for the kids? How long's a decade? Ten years. Is anyone here a decade old? Oh, maybe one or two. But that's a long time, isn't it? Over that time, Timothy, like our kids, would have seen the highs and lows. He would have seen the joy and the laughter. He would have seen the sadness and grief. He would have seen the unfiltered Paul being raw and real. Paul was a passionate man, in the Bible he's described as a zealot, so no doubt Timothy would have seen Paul get frustrated too. But for Paul to trust Timothy to later send him off, he would have been providing him opportunities to serve and lead while they were together. When you and I learned something new, whether that be to war, play an instrument like a guitar, or learn to drive, what happens? We make mistakes, yeah? That is a powerful and normal part of learning. Kids, has anyone ever made a mistake? Let's see, any hands go up? There's a few. Adults, has anyone made a mistake? Yeah, a lot of us, hey? We must remember that making mistakes doesn't make us a mistake. Yeah, we must remember that failing doesn't mean we're a failure, yeah? I'd love to invite someone else up on stage with us this morning who's been like a father to me, um, because he is my father. (laughs) I'd like to introduce you to Greg. And we've been very fortunate to spend a lot of time together over the years, both the uh, quality and quantity time. So I've got a couple of questions for Dad. And in True Dad fashion, we're going to try and keep it short, hey? <laughs> so it Won't happen. Won't happen. We can cut the mic, yeah. <laughs> so Dad, in raising us boys, what's been more important in your perspective, the, the quality or the quantity time?
1: Well, you've, you've got to be there, so that's... You've got to be there in every situation, so mm-hmm. that's quantity. But out of that gives you the opportunity to have quality time things Mm. will happen in a child's life as you raise them highs and lows Mm. and because you're there all the time it gives you the opportunity to influence or speak into their lives yeah
0: you were my and probably my brother's main basketball coach from a very young age right up through to under 18s um why why did you do that yeah well Basketball was a big thing in the Beeston family.
1: Um, I loved reffing, was reffing at the highest level. And when you and the others started playing, well, they needed coaches. And when I looked around, when Scott was going to start at under 12s, I realised that probably I was the most knowledgeable Mm -hmm. and the best qualified. And I thought, well, I want the best for my son and for the boys he's going to play with. yeah, I reluctantly mm. stepped up, but in the end I loved it so much I kept mm. doing it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm thankful for it. Um, how how important was um, in or providing opportunity and instilling belief into the teams that you coach, the boys that you coached?
1: Mm. Well, coaching is a, a bit like a parent. You, you've got to see the potential in the boys you've got. You've got to realise where you want to get to. So in the basketball sense, we would have a bunch of boys at the start of the season. We'd look at the opposition and we go, we want to make the finals, what are we going to do? And we had to grow as a unit. And for Scott, I had to challenge him in a special way because mm. he was the son. But I could see potential in the boys that they couldn't see in themselves. I had to get that out of you. So that when we got to the end of the season, we are invincible And quite often. We were. Mm. We, we, we won.
0: Mm. That's the way. (laughs) So I I can say the volume of time that I spent with Dad um, over the years means that 20 years down the track, when I'm on the basketball court, I can still pick out Dad's voice in the crowd, um, throwing out bits of advice. It's not always the loudest voice, like it used to be. um, But when I hear his voice, um, I know it's a trustworthy voice, I know what he's seeing. And encouraging me in is reliable and trustworthy, even if I can't see it myself. So, Dad, I thank you for that. And I have a small little Father's Day gift for you. It's a little plaque, a little coffee coaster, um, yeah. which might go up on the screen as well for everyone else to be able to read it. It says, Well done, Dad, I'm awesome. <laughs> Let's give it.
1: Thank you. I'm just going to share with you a verse I was, I was looking on my phone, which is my. Bible this morning. And this verse jumped out, I thought, oh, it's meant to be. Psalm 127, uh, verses 3 to 5. Children are a gift from the Lord, they are a real blessing. The sons of a man who, who has them when he is young are like arrows in a soldier's hand. Happy is the man who has many arrows, he will never be defeated when he meets his enemies in a place of judgment.
0: Mm. Amen. Thank you, Chris. I'd love to provide you all just with a really short moment now, um, as some would say, Sila, just to stop, pause, and think. Is there someone in your life who has been there for you consistently? And that may even be over a short period of time, but there to provide you with opportunity and instill belief in you. So just take a moment yourself just to reflect on that. Now, seeing the highs and lows during the years that Timothy served under and alongside Paul would have prepared him to minister away from Paul. So when Timothy was sent back to Ephesus to continue to pastor and help the church grow it wouldn't have been his first rodeo so to speak. He would have already graduated from his L plates and probably his P plates as well. Together they had visited Ephesus more than once Paul had written a letter to the church of Ephesus, and while Timothy was there pastoring, he received two more letters from Paul, which we know as the the books of 1 and 2 Timothy. Paul's second letter was likely written to Timothy while he was in prison, and he soon died after that. Now, these letters would have provided such encouragement to Timothy. Even when Paul was suffering in prison, his letters did not carry shame, but hope and encouragement. Let's have a look at one of those verses which I'm sure a lot of you are really familiar with in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Now in that culture, anyone under the age of 40 was classed as young. Is there any young people in the house? Yes, there we are. That means I've still got a couple more years being young, so I'm going to make the most of it, hey? But let's look at some of the verses that preceded that verse to understand the context of what Paul was saying here. In verse 1 of chapter 4, he says, "...the Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings will come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared with, it, or as with a hot iron." And in verse 7, Paul encourages Timothy, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales, rather train yourself to be godly. See, within the culture at the time, there was false teaching, there was conspiracies trying to infiltrate this young but fast-growing church. And Paul's encouragement to Timothy, and his example as well, was to stay focused. I'd love another picture to go up on the the screen of someone who's... um, been quite important to me in my life and and this is Scott Mitchell who was a youth pastor at Gateway or Memorial Baptist Church in the late 90s. Now that's not Scott Mitchell. If we skip to the other photo hopefully we'll see Scott Mitchell. That's me. No, we've got to go back the other way as a wedding photo. There we are. So the man on the right, the father, is Scott Mitchell. Uh, His wife Melinda and that's his son Ben who you saw the picture of Uh, him and myself with. Now Ben got married just earlier this year Um, but back in that time when I was in school, Launceston College, um, I was privileged enough to have Scott baptise me. Leading up to that time though he'd have me over to his place to garden on a Saturday morning and to even babysit his son Ben, all to earn pocket money. I had some very memorable times gardening with Scott and learnt a lot. Let me show you a couple of photos of my vegetable garden at home and we're jumping 14 to 20 years later so let's hold on that picture there. We moved into this house six years ago to what was Ben and Amanda Towns' house and can you tell they're quite passionate gardeners. Uh, We're still benefiting from their cherry tomatoes and silver beet that are just self-seeding. There's only so much silver beet you can eat though. Um, Fast forward to 2021 and let's have a look at the garden. (laughs) So there's traps that the boys have dug in there to catch mice or rats or whatever might be exploring our garden. Um, When gardening at Scott Mitchell's house, I remember what seemed to be like we're pulling the same weeds week after week. I remember him telling me that the guys at the lawnmower shop said he went through more lawnmower blades than anyone. And if Mr Miyagi from The Karate Kid says, there's no such thing as a bad student, only a bad teacher, does that mean Scott was a bad mentor? not at all, because it wasn't about the gardening. Scott had a contagious smile and an unrestrained laugh that came from a joy deep within. And the thing I remember the most is that he was full of encouragement to the point that you felt uncomfortable at how positive and nice he was. But it was genuine. Over the 20-plus years I've known him, he's been an amazing example to me of what a godly father and godly husband looks like but was he an amazing youth pastor? That depends on how you measure that. If it was about having the most fun activities on a Friday night, or the biggest youth group in town, then probably not. But if being a youth pastor in a busy and distracting world was about keeping the main thing, the main thing, about being Jesus-centered, others focused, and doing life together in community, then without a doubt, yes. A mentor is there to encourage us and to grow us into who God made us to be. Remind us of what God thinks of us and how he passionately loves us. So again, I'd just like to take a very small moment, 10 seconds. Can you think of someone in your life who's been an encourager to you, who's helped you remember what's important in life? Maybe just take a moment to thank God for them. So far we've learned from Paul and Timothy's relationship that opportunity, along with encouragement, are so important in parenting or mentoring. And something else that stood out to me throughout this this ministry of Paul and Timothy was the D word, discipline. Many of the letters um, that Paul wrote to the early churches contain words of discipline and correction. And when writing to Timothy, whilst he was in Ephesus, he's encouraging him to do likewise Let's have a look at 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 2 to 3. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Godly discipline draws people closer to each other, but more importantly, draws people closer to God. Kids and teenagers out there, it might be hard for you to believe this, but you've got to trust me on this one just for a few more years, um, that sometimes, I would say, often it's harder for the person, the parent, the mentor, doing the discipline than it is the person receiving it. It's easier to avoid having tough conversations because we don't want to hurt or offend someone, fear of how they might take it, or it might—you know, that fear that it might be taken the wrong way and hurt a relationship. But are we truly loving someone if we avoid sharing the truth in love? Have you ever had one of those moments where someone's lovingly corrected you? And all you want to do is get angry, make an excuse, maybe criticise them back, or just get defensive. I definitely know I have, but I'm so thankful for those moments later down the track. Listen to what Paul emphasises to the church in Ephesus when writing to them in Ephesians chapter 4. Instead, speaking the truth in love will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. For him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So for growing in any relationship, whether that's parenting, mentoring, marriage, or even as a church, as the body of Christ, there must be people who are willing to be vulnerable and brave, to speak the truth in love. I've got another picture and another little story to tell you from my own life. Look at that car, we'll say. Look at that car. This is a 1978 Datsun, also known as a Datto. Now, there were cool Dados. There was the 1600, the 1200 U, the 240 Z, but this was not one of the cool Dados. This was the 120Y. It had a gutless four-speed manual. It had a manual choke. It had a vinyl roof that needed a special conditioner to keep it in condition. It only had one side mirror and an AM radio as factory standard. Now, this car potentially suited my personality well. Uh, My nickname at one point had been Safety Scott. So I rarely took risks. And this car didn't allow you to, really. Um, and if I did take risks, generally they were very well and overthought. So what happens when a 22-year-old comes across an empty gravel car park in his first car? I thought, yeah, I thought, here's my chance. Here's my chance to see this baby drift. <laughs> and drift it did. So after I've done my little maneuver, pulled up in this car park, I was feeling pretty stoked. Um, But what soon unfolded showed that I hadn't thought this situation through. See, in the car was my girlfriend at the time, Katie. And to her credit, she was encouraging me not to do it. Why? Because in the back seat were two kids from the youth group. And this was in a school car park the Launceston Christian School car park. (laughs) And turned out on a Friday night, there was a church group that used the school facilities. So one of the leaders was coming across the car park very quickly and very angrily, and after demanding to see my driver's license, gave me a good dressing down. See, that night we were using uh, the school gym, the old school gym, um, for youth group activities. We'd been given access to the school by a teacher and a church leader at the time, Peter Cuthbertson. So when Peter turned up to unlock the gym, I had to fess up to him. And what I appreciated in that moment from Peter was a rebuke that didn't shy away from the fact that what I did was wrong and that there may be consequences towards myself and towards the church. And I'm looking here, seeing the uh, principal of the Christian school here. Right LAUGHTER This is great, isn't it, (laughs) Professor? But in that moment, that rebuke was delivered in grace. The way Peter handled that situation with me impacted me in a way that in the coming years, I asked him to mentor me as we taught the Bible and taught English to the many Nepalian Burmese refugee families in our church. And that car became a way to build relationships with many of those migrant families, to transport them, to teach them to drive, and in doing so, building relationships that allowed me to share the love of Jesus with them. And Katie still chose to marry me, and I'm doing a better job at listening to her as well. (laughs) So again, just for for the third and final time this morning, I'd like you to just take a moment to stop, pause and think, is there someone in your life who when you, th- when you think about it deep down, you're really thankful for, who, who you know will speak the truth in love. Back to the story of Paul and Timothy, and in particular, their ministry to the Ephesians. It's thought that Timothy remained uh, in Ephesus... For the rest of his life about 30 years after Paul had died and about that time was when the book of revelation was written listen to the message written to the church of ephesus recorded in chapter two i know your works your labor your patience and that you cannot bear those who are evil and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars and you've persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake And have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. See, the church at that time seemed to be doing all the right things working hard, being patient during challenging times, standing up against false teachers within the church, and also the evil in their community in the name of Jesus. But let me ask you this, and and maybe in particular to the dads. Have you ever got too busy in life that you kind of stopped being and just doing? And that mode then leads to this vicious cycle of stress, overworking, and eventually running yourself into the ground. You may be doing all the right things, but your life has drifted away from being Jesus-centered, fueled and driven by Him. And the words in Revelation to the Ephesians are a loving rebuke. The Ephesians weren't all wrong. And some of them at that point may have been Christians for 35 years. But here was an invitation to repent and return to the loving, breathing presence of their heavenly Father. To not just know of Him, but to personally know Him and live their days connected with Him. Paul, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6-8, to 8, says, I've fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Paul ran the right race and he finished it well. The obvious reflection from this morning's um, time together just exploring the scriptures, regardless of how young or old you are, man or woman, would be to ask yourself, who do I have investing in me and speaking into my life? That's someone who's always pointing you to God, encouraging you to hear God for yourself, giving you loving correction and encouraging you to keep the main thing, the main thing, which is loving God and loving others. And secondly, who do I have in my life that I'm investing in and doing life with? But as was for the Ephesians, the main question for us today, just to ponder and reflect is, do you know the love of God, our Heavenly Father? And if you do, or if you have, have you forgotten your first love? We're celebrating fathers today. Now, whether you've had a good father role model or not, someone who's present or absent, we all have the opportunity to be mentored and to mentor others. But it's all better done with the love of God in our heart. And there's a phrase that's thrown around door of hope at times, the word sparent, the spare parent. Um, people, adults who, are, who have the time, the energy, the heart to invest in and love others. Now remember this goes across the age continuum, whether you're young or old. So kids, if you're thankful for your dad, your mom, or your grandparents, whoever it's been doing their best to to raise you, to love and support you, Take that moment today to really let them know how much you're thankful for them. God bless.